Michael is the Lansdowne Chair in Finance at the University of Victoria's Gustafson School of Business. Prior to joining UVic, he held the Tangerine Chair in Finance at Western University's Ivy Business School, where he co-founded Canada's first fintech research center, the Scotiabank Digital Banking Lab. Before joining Academia, Michael worked in investment banking in Zurich, New York, and London, and central banking as a senior economist at the Bank for International Settlements and in Ottawa at the Bank of Canada. Professor King has a number of insights on the role of entrepreneurs backed by qualified angel investors in contributing to the economic recovery. Michael, welcome. It's great to have you with us. Uh, thank you, Claudio. Thanks for having me. Um, I want to talk today about ways the Canadian government can leverage the angel investors who are already helping entrepreneurs and to stimulate the economy as we come out of this pandemic. Um, I'm going to provide some statistics on angel investing that you uh, are going to be coming out in the report next month. And I'm going to preview three ways the government can work with angels to increase uh, capital for early stage high growth companies that are going to be included in this ECAP consultation. Uh, to get to the punchline, the government should set up a co-investment fund that matches angel investments dollar for dollar. It should adopt a national tax incentive scheme that already exists in BC, Saskatchewan, and Nova Scotia. And it should consider replacing the loans that are being made available through its support packages with convertible notes. So Claudio, as you mentioned in the uh, NACO consultation with stakeholders, there's gonna be a report that's gonna provide details on these different initiatives as well as others, which, um, so I'm just gonna be brief. So we know two things for certain. We know that entrepreneurs like uh, Laura McGee of Diversio, who you're going to hear from in a moment, they're building high growth companies that create jobs and, they, and wealth for Canadians. And they rely on angel investors for early stage capital. And more importantly, for advice, mentorship and access to those initial business networks and contacts. The second thing we know is that the pandemic, as you mentioned, is going to contribute to a shortage of capital for early stage companies. And while the government is doing uh, a lot to help small and medium-sized businesses, we need to ensure that the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Canada survives to make, by making more capital available to those startups who may not qualify. So next month in NACO's report on angel activity in 2019, uh, we're gonna see statistics on what happened uh, over the recent year. Um, Professor Colin Mason of University of Glasgow, who you mentioned, has led this report again for the 10th year. This year, 25 angel groups took part in the survey, and what he finds is that they invested $170 million in 318 companies last year alone. The median investment was about $170,000. And while this may not seem like a lot, you need to consider that NACO's membership actually includes 44 angel groups, not 25. In addition, 4,000 individual angels and 45 incubators and accelerators. So that 170 million is just the visible portion of angel investment. And you can think of it as the tip of the iceberg that we can see above the surface. Uh, Professor Mason is estimating that the portion below the surface is 10 to 20 times larger. So on that basis, angels and angel groups invested from 1.7 to 3.4 million billion, pardon me, 3.4 billion dollars of equity in early stage companies across Canada last year alone. And that's really something that we want people to know about. 
So the Canadian government should leverage this angel investment to ensure that early stage high growth companies are going to survive and thrive despite the pandemic. Um, and Professor Mason last month, he, he consulted with the EU on steps they can take to help early stage companies. And his ideas are going to be outlined in this document. And they also show that there's a way for taxpayers actually to earn a return on their investment to these companies. So the first idea is to set up a government co-investment fund where the government matches each dollar that's invested by angels. And these schemes actually exist already in Scotland, in New Zealand, and in Europe. So if you think about it, the angels are doing the work already. Okay? So they're finding the promising startups, they're doing the due diligence, and they're putting their own savings into these businesses. So they have skin in the game. So by piggybacking on this work of angels, the government, and through a co-investment fund, can direct money where it will have the biggest impact without having to search or screen for companies. Co-investment is gonna leverage the work of angels, and at the same time, it'll double the equity capital that's available for early stage companies. And studies that have been done of these co-investment schemes abroad find that over the long term, these schemes can even generate a return on investment that's positive and will benefit taxpayers. Another second idea is that Canada should adopt a national tax incentive program where angels receive a benefit when they invest. So currently, BC, Saskatchewan, and Nova Scotia have these programs. So just to take the example of BC's Small Business Venture Capital Program, it provides a tax credit of 30% of the amount that angels invest in the equity of BC startups. So if you invest $100,000, that comes with a $30,000 reduction in taxes. Now, you may think that this is overly generous, but consider that early stage investing is very risky and that angels stand to lose all of their investment in most of the startups. Only a few will be successful and will grow. So a national tax incentive program could spur angel investing in communities all across the country at a time when it's needed most. The third idea is to consider offering convertible notes instead of loans to early stage companies. And uh, currently much of the government support is being taken in the form of a loan that needs to be repaid or a guarantee on a loan that's made by the private sector. Um, some of these loans do have a forgivable portion if certain conditions are met, which is great, but a loan is still a form of debt and it uses up cash for the company to make the interest payments and it puts the company at risk of default. So if you think of a pre-revenue company trying to get off the ground with only its employees and their ideas and no profits, no one is going to lend to the startup. Well, that's not exactly true because angel investors do lend in these situations using convertible notes. And a convertible note is a type of loan that converts into preferred shares when the founders raise more equity in a subsequent price round such as a Series A. So a convertible note can be attractive for both the founders and for the angels. It gives them uh, the owner's capital immediately without diluting their ownership uh, when they receive it. It conserves cash because the notes do not pay interest. Instead, the interest is actually repaid in the future in the form of more shares. And for investors, the note typically converts into shares at a discount to the price that's paid by the Series A investors, providing an incentive for them to invest early and take that risk. And the note gives the investor the upside if the startup's successful. And this could be a win-win, not only for the entrepreneurs, but for the government and taxpayers if they were to follow this route. 
that's what I wanted to say. And you can read read more about those ideas in the report. Um, and thank you to Colin Mason for suggesting it. Thanks, Michael, for sharing those insights. It's great to have you collaborating with us on the ECAP national consultation. And so I look forward to working with you on that.